0: If you would, take your copy of God's Word and open to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, we will be looking at the, uh, the last paragraph, the last section here this morning, and next week we'll be transitioning into uh, a few messages on Easter. So, I hope that you're excited about that. I hope that you've been thinking about, pray, pr- thinking about and praying for individuals that you can invite. Um, I am excited. It's always wonderful to, to celebrate Easter every year. Um, and so I look forward to that, celebrating with you next week. But today we're going to look at James chapter 4, and I want to talk to you uh, here about a life that lives for God. A life that lives for God. And you might look at this and think, well, is that, is that a fitting title for what James is talking about here? And I think that it is. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this. Uh, but the reason I say that is because what James is talking about when we're, he's going to look at planning is he's talking about with our core. How do we spend our life? What, what does it look like? He's been talking about worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom. Do we live out of worldly wisdom or do we live out of godly wisdom? And so one more test that he's going to give is what do we do with our plans? Do we plan for things in our life out of godly wisdom? And I think it's, it's accurate to ask such a thing about someone's faith because there are two if you really want to get to it if you really want to get to what does someone truly believe there are two ways that you can tell look at how they spend their money and look at how they spend their time you can tell so much about a person by their checkbook and their calendar can't you you can tell a lot about an individual. It's one thing to talk one way. It, it, it's one thing to uh, to have all the right words and to have all the right phase, phrases. But if you really want to see what that person uh, truly believes in, and not just not just about faith, but about everything, talks cheap, right? Where are they putting their, their dollars and where are they putting their effort? Where are they putting these things? And that gets to the root here of what James is talking about, of a faith that lives for God. James already showed many examples where basically talk is cheap. It's great that you hear the word. He even said at one time, it's great that you know that God is one. He said, even, the, even Satan knows that and Shudder's. Talk's cheap. Do we have lives that line up to what we say we believe? That's, that's what all of James has been about, hasn't it? Be not only hearers, but doers of the Word. So today I want us to talk, we're, we're going to talk about how we plan, how we live. Do we plan in a way and do we live in a way truly to seek to glorify God? So if you have your copy of God's Word with you, Look with me, we're going to begin in verse 13 of chapter 4. Verse 13 of chapter 4, and this is God's Word. It says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead... You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him is sin. Would you pray with me? Father, we come now to your word Lord, we ask that you would, through the power of your Holy Spirit, teach your word to us. Father, I pray that you would expose to us our own shortcomings, our own sinfulness, our own selfish ambition, especially in light of how it comes to how we plan to live for you, for the decisions that we make in our life. Father, we desire to be a people that live for you, to be a people who glorify you, to be a people who live out the faith in Jesus Christ which we hold. And so, Lord, we ask now that you would help expose areas in our life where that profession, that desire is not being worked out. Father, today we pray and ask, That you would show us your word through the power of the Holy Spirit that we might be a changed people living to glorify you more and more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is a passage that we're all probably familiar with in in James' day. the, the, the act of buying and selling being a merchant was probably very different than today there was There was no Walmart there was no target, there was no grocery stores uh, i don 't know if you 've ever lived somewhere where it 's been difficult to find things uh, some of Some of you perhaps have have had a long life, and you remember a, a time when it was much harder to get things i 've heard of stories where it was hard during times to get quality things i I do most of my shopping from Amazon. Like, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's a different world, isn't it? And so back in this day, if you were a merchant, you would, you would travel, you would, you would go somewhere, you would take something that is produced and made where you live. And you would take it to an area where they don't have the skill, they don't have uh, the technology, they don't they don't have the, the natural resources to produce that thing there. And so you would take that that material, that item, that spice, whatever it was, and you would take it to another place, and you would stay there in, until you would sell it all. And then you would take the profit that you made from that, you would invest in something there that they made locally that you could easily get, and then you would take that somewhere else so that you could sell it. Perhaps you would just go back and forth and come home. Perhaps you would travel all over the world. But it was a very different way of life, wasn't it? It was, it was a very different way... And James uses this example that, that everyone would have understand, the local merchant who, who travels and sells his goods, he, he uses this individual as an example for everyone in how we should live our life in a way that, that we plan, the things that we do, we seek to glorify God. That the testimony that we believe about God, the things that we believe and that we know we actually live out in our daily life, that's a faith that works, isn't it? the faith that works. So there's there's three things here that I want us to to look at and to think about from this text. The first is, do plan. It's okay to plan. Now, I, I have to confess, my wife and I, she already is smiling, she knows where this is going, I haven't told her. My wife and I are very different about planning. Anybody else got a marriage like that? Okay, the Lord has gifted me and he has gifted her as well, because... My plans are more of a generalized I at some point in time, (laughs) if everything works out, might possibly try to do this. (laughs) My wife, when she's going to make a plan, she gets out a notebook (laughs) and she writes down everything. And, and it's, it's, it's funny, but we get frustrated at each other sometimes because she'll wake up in the morning and she goes, what's your plan for the day? And I'm like, I'm going to drink coffee and do stuff. <laughs> and she's got a list. And she used to take her list and just give it to me. She would just go ahead and plan it out. You're doing this today. Uh, but life is, is built around plans, right? Right? We make a lot of plans, whether it's small things for each day, whether you're, you're very detailed and, and every little thing's mapped out, or even if you're a, a bit more relaxed as I am. We still have a general idea. We still have decisions to make. We still have things that we want to do and goals that we have for our life. And that's not a bad thing. James isn't writing and saying that, that such a thing is a bad thing. He writes and he says here in verse 13, uh, Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and make and trade a profit. He doesn't write and say that going and doing things, being ambitious, having a plan, that that's not what he's saying is wrong. In fact, the Bible tells us that there's great wisdom in planning. Proverbs 6, 6-8 through 8 says, uh, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways, be wise. Without having any chief or officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. And the Bible presents us with many examples of, of individuals who were wise and honored and glorified God because of great planning. Think of Joseph. Okay. Joseph, God had, had revealed to him that there was going to be a great drought. And so he, he goes to Pharaoh and he says, this is going to happen. We need to prepare Pharaoh, puts him in charge of it. And if you read in, uh, about that story, you will see it, very detailed planning, right? That, that took place. So planning is not wrong. At the same time, there's, there's nothing, uh, overly, Uh, We don't need to be presumptuous that we're overly holy if we're a strict planner. And at the same time, it's not overly holy just to say, eh, maybe this will happen. If we have a faith that loves God, that loves Jesus Christ and wants to see Him glorified, we should be a people of action. We're called to go to the nations. We're called to glorify the Lord. We're called to reach the lost. And that takes some planning. It, it takes some mobilization. Some of the, some of the, the most <laughs> intricate planners that I know of in the ministry, they're all missionaries. If you ever meet and talk with a missionary, you'll find out very quickly, these are, are, are mostly type A, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, 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 and this. They have alliterations for everything <laughs> because they have a big job and a big task. And so we, we should plan, but as we plan, we ought to always be subjected to the Lord's will. We ought to always consider, what is the Lord's will in this for me? James is, is calling us here to, to pray and to ask in everything, is this the Lord's will? If the Lord would permit me to do this thing, then it will happen. Do you see that? Do we plan in such a way? Do we think about it in such a way? So the first thing I want to say is it's okay to plan. I'm preaching to myself right here. <laughs> My wife's smiling at me. So it's okay, it's okay to plan. But remember these three realities. James shows us three realities as we prepare our plans for life. The first thing that he shows us is that there is an uncertainty about the future. There is an uncertainty about the future. In verse 14 it says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. How? true is that how true is that we could go on with example and example and example but we live we live so often as though we our lives everything about it is predictable and just because something happened yesterday we expect that it will happen tomorrow we expect that on monday morning we'll go to work um The weekend will come. We have plans. We have plans for the future. We have things that are are happening. How often do we stop and do we consider it's not always this way? But yet we know because every day the things that we plan, the things that we intend to do, that seems to be monkey wrenches thrown in it, right? I've already had four this morning, We have to consider all the time, there's an uncertainty about the future. There's, there's an uncertainty about what our health will be. There's an uncertainty to our jobs. There's an uncertainty to our homes. There's an uncertainty to our way of life. At any moment, everything can change, can it? And so how, how is it that we so often make plans, big plans, without even first going to the lord in prayer without first going to the to the word of god without first considering how will this glorify god how does this decision impact my ability to live for god how does this decision impact my life if i have a faith in Jesus Christ, if, if God is the center of my life, if I'm seeking to love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, strength, and love my neighbor as myself. How does this plan fit into this? Do you see that? How, how often we make plans and don't consider these things. So wh- the, the first thing is, is that tomorrow is uncertain. The second is... The frailty of our life. Look at the the second part of verse 14. It says, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Does anybody remember what Moses says in Psalm 90 about, about the lifespan? In Psalm 90 it says, the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. Some of you are on borrowed time. Yet the span is but toil and trouble and they are soon gone and we fly away. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Do you number your day? I know I'm, I, I'm probably better to preach it myself in this group. Many of you know you're on borrowed time. And, and and I'm touched and inspired by hearing individuals, uh, John DeVos isn't here today, but John, if you ask him how he's doing, what's going on, he'll say, he, he's told me before a few times, the Lord has me here, and so I'm going to live for him. He doesn't care about his pain, he's in a lot of pain. But still, he he numbers his days in a reflection that the Lord has has still allowed him to be here. How foolish and arrogant is it of us to make plans without consideration that the Lord is the one who gives us each moment, each breath. Do you see that? Do you see how James is saying here? He's basically saying you're, you're foolish and you're arrogant if you make such plans without even considering the Lord's will in this. And yet it's easy to do so. The third thing that we see, the third reality that we need to remember as we plan is the authority of God. Verse 15. James writes and says, Instead you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or that. Now, from this passage... We get a phrase that has entered our Christianese uh, language, "Lord willing," right? And and it's a good thing. It can be. It, it's a good thing to consider and to make plans and to be able to say, "Lord willing, Lord willing." The Puritans were were very strong about this. If you ever read any of the Puritans' writings, you will see, or, or things of that era, you will see D.V and and it stands for for the latin dio volente lord willing lord willing and and, and but i want to i want to i want to encourage us to live a life and to be able to say in all that we do lord willing not to be presumptuous that 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 our plans are going to always pan out exactly like we want that that our days are always going to be numbered the way that we think that they are I I think it's good for us to have the mindset and the attitude and say, Lord willing, but there's also a danger, and that is, it can become just a catchphrase. Lord willing. Lord willing. Do you really understand what you're saying as you're saying that? Are you with me? Let me give you an example. I heard this a lot in Tennessee. I haven't heard it in, in Florida yet, but I would hear, Lord willing, and if the creek don't rise... And and it always just baffled me. As if the creek rising had nothing to do with the Lord's will. <laughs> you get that? Like, Lord willing, and as long as it takes place... Well, no, Lord willing is, is Lord willing. And so... Again, I want us to have this consideration, this mindset that we would approach every plan. We would approach the decisions of life with the understanding and the idea of of Lord willing. Because I want to glorify the Lord in what I want to do. I, I want to be obedient to the Lord in that which I do. But at the same time, be careful not to dismiss yourself as being okay in planning whatever you want as long as you just say the magical words, Lord willing. Do you get that? Are, are you with me? You know, not only here when it talks about the authority of God, where it says instead you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. It's not only saying, Lord willing. It's saying, Lord, if you allow me to live and to do this. The, the absolute authority of God over our lives. Do we recognize that as we make decisions, as we plan, as we live out our lives? Do you see how I, why I say this, that I, that I really think this boils down to? James is saying, he's showing us what a, a genuine faith that lives for God looks like. It's not just in the big plans, but but in our life. Do we live in a way and have a desire to live in a way that we consider the Lord's will? We consider what the Lord would do through us, how we would glorify the Lord in all that we do. Because if we have a genuine faith, if we have a a genuine love for the Lord, if we acknowledge Him as the Lord of our life, then we should want to live for Him. Amen? Amen? We should want to live for Him. So three realities that we see here. The, the third thing that I want us to see is that you should make your plans in humble submission to God. This is, this is the result here. You should plan. You should remember the, the three realities that this text tells us you cannot predict Tomorrow. Your life is frail. It is but a vapor. And God's authority is over all that we do and can do. His sovereignty, His providence, His will is what we should seek. And so with that in mind, we should approach the plans for our life with a humble submission for God. Look at verses 16 and 17 here. It says, As it is, you boast in your arrogance... All such boasting is evil. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him is sin. Again, James has just given these three realities that life is short, unpredictable, and ruled by God. And this should keep us in a state of dependency upon God. If we try to live without recognizing such a thing, it says that we boast in our arrogance. Do you see how we do that? James has, has been talking, again, about the difference between godly wisdom, peace, love, you know, all of these things that, that, that build up godliness in ourselves and in our relationships versus worldly wisdom. Here's, here's an ultimate test for us in the way that we plan, and the things that we're going to do, in the way that we're going to support our family, make major decisions for our life are we living out godly wisdom? Or are we living in selfish ambition, not connecting that God is sovereign over all things and that our lives, our purpose in our lives, if we know him, are to glorify God or to glorify God. In fact, this this boasting and arrogance here um, it, it means that, that we li- would live in a way that we wouldn't acknowledge God, that we wouldn't believe in Him, that we would just go about our lives making our plans and forgetting that we serve and know a God who's the creator, sustainer of everything, who is over all things, even our very breath that we take in at this moment. We have a, a term for this that we use now um, that, that, that we talk about. And it's the term, it's called practical atheism. Is anybody familiar with this? Has anybody ever heard this? So intellectual atheism would would be an individual that would say, there is no God, I do not believe in God, so the way I'm going to live my life is as if there is no God. Practical atheism is different. What practical atheism is, is an individual who would say, I believe that there is a God of the universe. I believe that He is the Creator. I believe that He is my Savior. I believe everything that the Bible says and that the Bible is true. All the right stuff. I believe it. I can say it. I can quote it. But they live their life as an atheist. As though there is no God. Friends, this is the heart of of many of the issues in today's Christian culture. The Bible's the same. Okay? The Holy Spirit's the same. People's, uh, people are being saved the same. The, the Word's the same. The message is the same. But are we submitting our lives to that truth? If you know, Study after study comes out and shows in one way or another that individuals who claim that they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, individuals that claim to say that they believe the Bible, that the Bible is true, that it's the Word of God, have the same statistics of drug addictions, alcoholism, unmarried pregnancies. Divorce. These statistics are are very, very uh, narrow. That should say something, shouldn't it? That's practical atheism. Do we live our lives in a way that that the truth that we know, the things that we say that we love, the, the, the belief that we have, is it really the belief? Because if it is, it would show itself in the way that we live. I've talked to you over and over again about faith and, 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 and because I think today in the church we have a, a real misunderstanding about what faith is. So often we have faith in a faith. We don't have faith in Jesus Christ. We don't have faith in the Word of God. True faith includes knowledge. We must know truth. But it also includes the heart. We must love that truth. And if we know the truth and we love that truth, then we will naturally want to do the truth. Do you understand that? Do we know the Word of God in that way, or is it just a bunch of cognitive facts that we memorize for a Bible quiz? My, my prayer and my desire for our church is that we would not only know the Word of God, but that we would love it in such a way that it would affect how we live that it would affect how we live, that we would guard ourselves from practical atheism. Because not only do we say that we believe these things, but we truly believe them so that if you look at our life, if you look at how we spend our times, if you look at the things that we desire, what is in the Word of God is reflected throughout our life, that we would have a faith that lives for God. Not just a faith that praises God. Not just a faith that knows knowledge about God. Not just a faith that even, you know, says it loves the Bible. But a faith that lives, the God, lives for God. A life that is given to God. Is that our desire? I hope so. I hope so. That's what, Paul, that's what James is, is writing here, encouraging us. That if we know that God is our creator, if we know that God sent Christ, what we're about to celebrate at at Easter, that, that we are sinners, that we are far from God and to reconcile us to God, God sent His Son, Christ. And if we believe in that, if we place our faith in that, if we put our life in that, think about all the times in the Bible that it says in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, that we're in Christ. Could you imagine the idea of being in Christ, but living for yourself? That's what it's talking about here. If we're in Christ, our lives should reflect that. And how does our daily life reflect that? And how does our long-term life affect that? We should have a, a visible faith. So let me let me end here with some some practical application. How can we submit all of our plans? How can we submit our lives like this to God? What are what are ways in which we can do this? Some of you are are are, are making decisions, long-term decisions. Some of you are close to retirement. Some of you are, are thinking of transitioning. Some of you, there's all kinds of different things going on. We all, at, at all times, <laughs> Tommy told me the other day, his big dilemma was whether to put a 30 or 40 year roof on the house. <laughs> we all have these decisions to make. How do we, how do we do this? How do we submit our plans to God based on, on what we've seen here? The first thing that I would recommend to you is that you should submit your plan to the word of God. The very first thing that you should do is you should, should ask and you should seek, what does the Scriptures say? If you want to know the will of God for your life, you should start here. You should start in the Word of God. Do, do we do that? Do we seek the Word of God as we seek to make plans? Do we seek godly counsel as we seek to make plans? Another thing, we should be in prayer. We should prayerfully invite God to be a part of our plans. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make, your, make straight your paths. The idea here is that if we plan, if we seek to, to do things for the Lord, we should seek Him in prayer. We should seek His Word. And if we're seeking Him, He will make our path straight. We will have comfort and peace, and and we will know that we are seeking to glorify the Lord in all that we do. We should uh, learn to seek God's interests first in our plans. Think about what Jesus said. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and these things will be added to you. Friends, how often is it that we seek first to add the things to ourselves and figure out how we can apply it to God's kingdom and righteousness? Do you see that? So often our plan is how 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 can I how can I do this for me and, and Lord, I'll, I'll benefit you somehow in this. But that's not what Christ says. Christ says we should first seek the Lord. Seek God and his righteousness, his kingdom. And I promise you, if you put God first in your life, if you put God first in your plans, if you put God first in your decisions, you won't be sorry. You won't regret it. Once we have a plan in place, once we've sought the Lord, we should continue in prayer. We should continue in prayer. Why? Because of those realities that James showed us. The first one especially. We don't know what monkey wrenches lie ahead. We don't know what's going to happen. And, and, and just because you seek the Lord's plan doesn't mean that it's going to go the way you thought that it was. Does it? And that's, that's the last thing I want to say is that, that even as, we're, as we, we seek the Lord for a plan and we seek the Lord for a decision and we're living it out, we need to remember that we are under God's providence. Things will never go the way you planned. That's why I don't write everything down, honestly. I mean, that's, that's it right there. What good is a list if it's not all going to happen? But the point is, it changes, right? Even the, the best laid plans are not going to happen exactly the way you want. Do you have a life and do you have a faith that says, God, I submit to you, I understand your authority, and I'm going to seek how to glorify you now even as this changes? It's happened to me i have to tell you it's happened to me where i've become bitter god i sought you on this i I was trying to glorify you why why didn't it work have we done that we don't have to raise hands i think we all have do we get bitter do we get angry if we do it's because we don't recognize god's sovereignty in everything if we truly have a faith, if we're truly seeking to to, to bless the Lord in our life, if we're truly seeking to glorify Him in all things, if we're living for His name, if we're living for His righteousness, if we're making plans to see that, that, that we can be obedient to Scripture and glorify Him and things are, are not going as planned, do we give up on God? No. We should acknowledge, Lord, you're sovereign. It's it's times like that when we need to pray Romans eight twenty eight. And I know that for that that all for those that love God, all things work together for the good. For those who are called according to His purpose, Lord, I've sought you. I love you. This this didn't go exactly as I thought, but Father, I know that you're working this for the good, even though this situations come up, this this health crisis, this this opportunity that closed. You know, whatever it is, Father, I know that you're for me because I love you and I want to see you glorified. And so I trust in you, even when things didn't go according to my plan. Do we have that kind of faith? One of my, one of my uh, favorite shows growing up, and it just one of the ones that brings good memories all the time, was The A-Team, Right? Hannibal, every episode. You know, he's got his big cigar. I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> Friends, how do we seek God in our plans? Are we seeking Him first? Are we seeking His kingdom first? Do we live in a way that we live out our faith where we say, I, I love you, Lord. I want to glorify you. Are we planning to glorify God in our life? Are we seeking to know Him more, to glorify Him more, to to serve others more that He may be made known? Or are we just living for ourselves? There's a difference. James is writing here today to tell us that if we truly have a genuine faith, it should impact everything, even the way that we think about and plan for the future. The Bible says, whether you eat or drink, no matter what you do, glorify the Lord. It's a great verse. We all know that verse. But you know what the implications of that verse are? Even the simplest tasks in life of eating and drinking, we've probably all done that already today. Even the simplest mundane tasks can be done in a way that can either glorify the Lord or not glorify him. How much more so as we approach and think about big decisions in our life, can they have an impact on how we glorify the Lord?